WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Microalgae are highly versatile. They can be used for food, pharmaceuticals, biofuels, and so much more. To tell us more about microalgae, we're here talking to Connor Bertucci about his research. Connor, welcome. May you please tell us about your research and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a 2021 graduate, graduated with a degree in microbiology and a minor in biotechnology. And for the past two years, I've been working with in a fungi lab that specializes in soil fungi. And interestingly enough, I found myself in uh, working on a project that deals with microalgae. And so the basis of my research is that this soil fungi is able to be grown into the dense hyphae. Thanks for joining us this morning, Connor. It's really cool that you're doing your research on microalgae. But what is the difference between microalgae and regular sized algae besides the size itself? Well, regular algae that you'll hear about in the news or on any kind of form of media will typically be like seaweed, stuff that grows in the ocean. The difference between microalgae, besides the size, is that it's so dense with its nutrients. It can be cultivated very easily. Microalgae can be cultivated in many different locations. It's very versatile. It doesn't require seawater like normal macroalgae would. And with freshwater becoming a finite resource, people are turning to microalgae to cultivate. Thanks for explaining that for us. Now, you said that it's easier to cultivate. How is it cultivated and grown? And did you grow the microalgae for your experiments? The main way that microalgae is cultivated on a commercial level would be through a open raceway pond, which is essentially an open pond that circulates the water and uses sunlight as its main energy source. Another cultivation method would be called a photobioreactor. And this is an enclosed system where the algae is not exposed to the outdoors or its surrounding environment, and they're given a stable amount of nutrients to grow and develop on. The microalgae that I used in my experiments were all cultivated in my lab in flasks that were kept on shakers. It's interesting to hear about the different methods that you can use to grow your microalgae. Chelsea had already mentioned a couple of the applications earlier in the interview about what microalgae could be used for, but why are you studying microalgae and what application are you interested in possibly optimizing? The main aspect of my research deals with the harvesting factor of microalgae. What a lot of people don't believe is that the cultivation aspect is actually on the cheaper side, while the harvesting of microalgae, where you remove it from its uh, growth medium or liquid, can be the most expensive part. Harvesting microalgae makes up a huge percentage of the overall processing. The harvesting aspect of microalgae is perhaps the most expensive for the process. And so my research aims to streamline and make it more efficient. We're doing that by using what we call fungal filters made from a soil fungi. And so to make the harvesting aspect of microalgae cultivation and production cheaper, we're using fungal filters that we have grown. And so we grow the soil fungi into these dense sort of pancakes, I guess, if you will, that act as these biological filters. And this is, of course, a much cheaper alternative because most companies will harvest their microalgae through centrifugation, where they spin it very rapidly to aggregate all the cells, which is very energy intensive and costly. 
and they'll also use non-biological filters. And the problem with these is they will clog. And then once they clog, you have to either clean them out or get rid of them. And the positive aspect of a biological filter is that you can actually use this. And so we're making a filter that has plenty of nutrients, proteins, and fatty acids that are good for you and can be used in food products and nutraceuticals. So we use a type of fungi that normally grows in the soil, but we've cultured it outside of it to be used as a biological filter. So we're not using soil. We're taking a fungi that normally would grow in the soil and culturing it in our lab completely free of soil. So from what I'm gathering, you have this fungi and you have the microalgae and they're grown separate and then you put them together. But what happens after you put them together? So after you are filtering them out, some different things you could do would be dry the sort of new microalgae fungi conglomerate, if you will. And then from there, you can extract lipids from it to use in nutraceutical products that are good for your health. Or you could just dry it down and use as a biomass for feeding fish or any kind of livestock animal. And I could say it's comparable to grains. This would be a very good alternative to grains or traditional livestock feed as it doesn't require arable land to grow. It actually like really hot, dry environments like New Mexico and Arizona. Although the, the fungi really doesn't come into play here because mainly my research is all just optimizing the filter. Even though you said a little bit earlier that what people think of being the most costly thing is the actual cultivation. I could understand why the harvesting is actually something that's going to take a lot more work when it comes to working with such dramatically small organisms. It's like you said, you're using fungi as your filter for extracting and harvesting these microalgaes. However, how do you actually grow this fungi filter? For those in our audience that don't realize, fungi are just like mushrooms that people eat all the time in their food. But on the case of Connor, he's working with them on a much smaller scale. Connor, how do you make the filter and how do you control the growth? The fungi that I grow in my lab isn't what people think. When they think of fungi, they think of mushrooms, like you get in the grocery store, which are actually the fruiting bodies of what is called hyphae. And so this hyphae is a long, just they're just strands of these fungal bodies. And controlling them really comes down to whatever size container or apparatus that you grow them in. They'll grow to fit whatever space that you give them. And so what we will do is use some kind of plate and then fill it with growth media and take one small little piece of this fungal hyphae, drop it in, and all you have to do is wait a couple days. And before you know it, it will fill the whole plate and then we could use it as a filter. So ideally, we want to choose the fastest growing of our fungi strains so that we can produce these filters as quick as possible to expedite the process. They sort of just grow to fit whatever space you give them. And so we want to essentially maximize their growth so we can have more of these filters to use. All right, you're painting a pretty good picture in my mind about how this filtration system is working. However, I would like some more details. Are you using a vacuum filtration system or what are you doing specifically to get the liquid through? So we use gravity filtration. Vacuum filtration, we have considered it. That might have to be something we look into later. But for right now, gravity filtration works. It takes a little bit of time, but it is, it's free. Using gravity is completely free. Recently, we've been developing uh, 3D printed models that we can use that will optimize our filtration process. These can, of course, be scaled up 
Right now we're creating them on a small lab benchtop scale, but ideally you can take these all the way up to a commercial scale if you wanted to. With all of these different filtration systems to still figure out and test, I would imagine that there's still a long way to go before microalgae can be commercially produced. What are some other factors that contribute to how long it'll take for this to become something that we see maybe normally like at a grocery store, for example? That is a really good question. Obviously, the cost is one of the biggest setbacks for microalgae cultivation. Right now, as it stands, there are plenty of other cheaper alternatives, and until more research breakthroughs are made and microalgae can be cultivated for a much cheaper price and harvested. In terms of biofuels, it's estimated that microalgae won't be feasible until around 2030. It's not economically favorable at the moment. It's a bit too expensive. Another one of the main issues that faces microalgae production is increasing biomass yields. And so, of course, people want to grow as much as they can so they can extract more lipids and more valuable products that can be used for pharmaceuticals or cosmetics, etc. I know that before you had mentioned that there are various methods of extracting the microalgae, such as centrifugation, and that you're using a different method. So in terms now of the filtration, are there other methods that can be used for this microalgae filtration system? And if not, why? There are plenty of different harvesting methods for microalgae. However, the main ones that are currently used right now are still pretty costly. They're very reliable. These include centrifugation and filtration using non-biological filters. There's also a method called chemical flocculation, but this typically results in poor quality algae. I think there's using non-biological filters, and recently people have been looking into biological filters, such as these fungal filters. So to answer your question, normal filtration is somewhat popular but can be costly and isn't as efficient as using a biological filter. I guess it didn't really occur to me how there could be different kinds of filters, not just in a biological sense, but in a chemical sense as well. Speaking of biology, microalgae is a really, really broad term to use when it comes to this kind of work. Speaking of biology, microalgae is a really broad term when it comes to the work that you're doing. Is it a collection of different species of microalgae, or is there one specific species that you're working with? And if it is one species, what makes this one the best to work with when it comes to food production? I mainly work with microalgae that grows in freshwater environments such as chlorella or chlamydomonas. However, marine microalgae strains such as nanochloropsis are very popular in genetic engineering. One thing that's interesting about microalgae is they can grow on freshwater, brackish water, or ocean or seawater. Studies have looked into growing microalgae using agricultural wastewater and municipal wastewaters as a cheaper alternative to using tap water. These microalgae can utilize nutrients found in these wastewaters that would otherwise not be present in tap water. Cool, so you're using fresh water. Whenever you're growing these microalgae, do you need a light source? So for my lab purposes, we use a fluorescent bulb to cultivate our algae. But on a commercial scale, sunlight is used as an energy source. I know early in the interview that we talked about the way that you grow your microalgae is in the lab. But have you looked at maybe what are some of the differences between using the filter on lab-grown microalgae versus microalgae that could be found in a local pond, maybe around MSU? So the fungal strains that we use for our experiments uh, are all cultured in our lab. However, the microalgae strains that we use are purchased from different labs that will isolate them from a natural environment. 
I think it's quite novel that you're able to basically create a biofilter for this microalgae. Are there any components of this research project that you think can be applied to maybe remediation of the environment or like cleaning up pollution? Definitely. Researchers have used uh, a device called algal turf scrubbers that they actually insert into ponds or any kind of polluted waterway. And the microalgae will actually break down and remove any pollutants or heavy metals that are present in the water. These researchers are looking into scaling up this technology so that entire lakes or rivers can be essentially scrubbed free of these pollutants. Google turf scrubbers use filamentous microalgae that are grown on screens to make essentially a filter that can be placed in wastewater contaminated bodies of water, such as canals, rivers, and lakes, to scrub and remove inorganic compounds and excess nutrients. And these are accumulated into the algal biomass. These are more ideal for bioremediation uses versus cultivation, but they can have an, a positive environmental impact. It's great that there's several applications that can derive from these kinds of filters that are being worked on to help do things like make the environment cleaner on a microscopic level, of course. Part of me wonders if that could be used for microplastics, but that's a conversation for another time. What kind of things are you looking to do now that you've finished graduating? Are you looking into graduate school or are you going to go into the industrial sector? I actually plan on doing both. I want to get my master's degree and then eventually transition into the industry where I can continue working with microalgae. Over the past two years, I've really grown to love it. I'm fascinated with how versatile it is and all the different products that you can create with it. And I'm looking forward to what the future holds for me. I'm going to continue my research at MSU for one more year, and then I will apply to a master's program somewhere out west where microalgae is much more popular. And hopefully after that, I want to continue my research in addressing the challenges that harvesting microalgae face, and eventually I'd like to transition into an industrial setting where I can continue doing the same thing. Well, it's nice that you'll get to wrap up the rest of the research project for this next year, and that you'll be applying to graduate school and then trying to work in an industry setting as well. I think it's great that you'll be applying all of these different skills, and I look forward to seeing what you accomplish in the future. Thank you so much for joining us today, Connor, to talk about your awesome research in microalgae. Thank you, Chelsea. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.